So what I think I'm gonna do is talk about like the tr certain troubles. I'll just hit a few highlights of my visa woes. Uh, I mean, they're all woes, so maybe that's not even a good idea. But I'll just give a for instance, like I got my first work visa and I quit the company. I lived off that for a year while I tried tutoring and stuff. You know, and when that comes to an end, you need a you need a certain letter from the last company because they hold your residential visa. If they don't give you like a, a letter of good standing when you go to the next company, you're done. You can't get another work visa. So, and my company went like out of business like six months after I started and I left like four months after I started. And that's probably a good thing because then they weren't all hostile about me getting my letter of release. Um, you know, one of the other troubles I had, there was this company, you know, I after my first gig, I was like, you know what? I don't want to work for these like Chinese companies because they kind of treat you like a dog and they're not fair and they don't listen. So I saw there was a company called Scholastic that wanted an English teacher. And I was like, oh man, that's an American company. And the location was in Shuhei, and it was, like, right across the street. I don't know if I mentioned before I had, like, two online girlfriends before coming to China. Um, I, I wasn't with either of them when I did come. But before I came, I was I had a close relationship with them on the phone for, like, two years. Well, I had gotten back in touch with one of them who worked right across the street from where this office was. So that was a huge benefit because we could meet for lunch and stuff. I was already going down there like once a week to meet her for lunch anyway. So I thought this is awesome and Shuhei is like a pretty hot spot, a lot of cool place. So I got that job and immediately they were like, we're closing this office. We have other offices. So you'll be working like in Pudong, the other side of the river and like way out kind of far away where there's like only one restaurant near the office. So they screwed me. They already sponsored my visa and then they moved me again to somewhere. And and then they moved me again to another place. And I would come in and there would be like three corporate headquarters Chinese women like who would stand in the back of this classroom with like, not even classroom, like playroom with like four-year-old four and five-year-old kids. And they would like judge you like they have a list of like how to rate you. And at the end of that, I would sit down and they'd go over it with me and it was just mean. Like, one of the things where it was just too blatant was, like, they, they graded me, like, a 4 out of 10 for, like, how I dressed. And I was wearing khakis and, like, brown shoes and, like, a polo tucked in. And the other guy who works there that they, like, love, this, like, Scottish or Irish guy, was wearing jeans and was, like, tennis shoes and untucked. And they, they were, like, you know, you need to be like him and stuff. And, you know, that's when I was just like, all right. Screw you guys, dude. By the way, they're four and five-year-olds. Like, this isn't nice enough. What do you want me to wear a suit? So it was pretty much right then. I like, I left, and I had a class at the, in the next five minutes or something. And I just called them from outside because I just couldn't come back in. I was like, fuck them, dude. Are you going to disrespect me and like be so unappreciative that much and then you expect me to go into the next classroom and be happy for you know my whole job with kids is to like be happy you just told me i'm a piece of shit so i called and i was like yeah you know this this isn't this isn't gonna work i'm quitting and you know what you'd expect when you can't get a new foreigner like lickety split is them to be like oh well like why you know let's work this out no they were just like oh okay so that was pretty much it i think i got a call 
or text message like a week later from one of the corporate ladies and she was like, are you sure you're quitting? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay. And that was that. And like, I was looking for other work and stuff. And then like two more weeks passed or three more weeks passed. And I got a text message that said, eh, your visa will be canceled in 24 hours. And then you'll have a, no, it'll be like, you you will have to leave China in 24 hours. Like your visa will be automatically canceled. Because it's been 30 days since you quit. I didn't know any of that. Now you figure that out. You got no money. You don't really have a job. And uh, and not everything you have and own are like in your room. Which ain't much. It's like a laptop and some clothes. So I didn't sleep that night. I, th- I just kept going up and down my Rolodex, my friend list in WeChat. Thinking... I need a visa sponsor immediately. And uh, there was a guy. I'm trying to think how I met the guy. Let me think for a second. I really can't remember where I met the guy. But there was somebody on my friend list who I think maybe I tried to buy a degree from before. And I was like, listen, I need kind of like a fake sponsorship immediately. Uh, and he was like, my friend owns a company. What do you need? I'm like, I need a letter that says they're going to sponsor me. They have, they're going to pay me this much. And you need a chop. A chop is like uh, a formal seal that only the corporate accountant or somebody officer can can stamp onto a, an official document. And it's necessary. And so, you know, if you have the chop, then we can do business. Like, that's what I need. So... And I just threw out a price. I said, I'll give you 3,000 RMB. Um, and so first he sent me the letter. And it was just like a, you could tell it was like pixelated. And it wasn't a real chop. It was like a Photoshop chop. And I was like, dude, this is not what I need. I need like the real thing. Do you have the real chop? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. He's like, you you can use that. So I travel all the way down to meet like the corporate headquarters of Scholastic by the way, the whole office is Shanghainese, except for that lady who, like, judges me. So there is this power structure in China, um, in Shanghai. And I give her the chop so she can write her letter to transfer over the visa. And she goes, this isn't going to work. The, the chop's, like, behind the text. Like, it's obviously not a real stamp. So I ask the guy again. He comes to meet me. This guy... It was a pretty weird dude, but he was like, he he knew like the underground workings of China, which is essential. And I think he had studied in Sweden. So he spoke English. Uh, I met him in like, it's a pretty swanky business deal. I met him. It was my call too, to meet in this uh, like, you know, Marriott Hotel on the 20th floor in this like lounge area with this beautiful view. And I had to pay like 100 RMB for us to drink water. <laughs> but he gave me that letter and I went back and they transferred the visa and I was able to stay. I mean, but I mean, I didn't sleep that night at all. That was, that's the kind of thing they do on purpose though. That's the thing. It, it's really, there's a good word for that. I can't think of right now, but you know, where someone sets you up and they want you to fail and they're bitter and that's, they're not the only companies that do that. Like once, once you're not going to be their slave, like fully own you and degrade you and everything, 
at that point, they're just like, all right, then you won't work in China again because, like, we have power and there's a million of you trying to come here. And, and they use that. And I'll share one funny visa was I wanted to attend Shanghai University. That sounds, like, pretty fabulous and stuff, but universities in China mainly are pretty drab. Like, that university, for example, like, you go to the soccer field, grass is, like, three feet high. Like, who knows when it was last cut? I played basketball in the gymnasium. The bathrooms just had, like, removed piping. Like, it was just literally holes in the ground. It wasn't even, like, porcelain holes in the ground. And you're thinking, like, this is a university? Like, how? But they had two campuses, and they weren't that far from where I lived at. I really wanted to improve my Chinese. So I thought, you know, I'd be getting Chinese lessons, and they have gyms and swimming pools, like, if I subtract what I pay for my gym and I could use their, like, facilities, then I think this could be a good deal. And they'll, they'll also get me a visa, and I can still work on use that, you know. And I was getting into it, and I submitted the papers to to apply, and they sent me the paper I needed to get the visa. And I was like, well, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to join yet. I don't even know what the it's, like, in full going to cost. I haven't been accepted. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, here's the paper. So I submitted it, and I got the visa. And I thought, well, fuck. Like, that was a big part of the reason I was going to join, so I could get the visa. But I just got the visa, and I didn't join. Now, that is interesting, because I think even maybe in America, I'm pretty sure that you can do that. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of foreigners living in America that came over on a kind of, like, ESL visa, and they've been living here for eight years just paying some agency to do having recently worked for an ESL company here I know that there's that kind of shady thing going on um so and then I also found out that the facility of the universities isn't included it's like a separate fee so that killed that off and while I was touring I was like can I look at one of the classrooms to see where I'd be learning Chinese and you come into this like 1940s like communist classroom with like a black chalkboard and those old school desks one piece desk and I looked at that and I was like you know I would love to think that I could come here you know every time I'm supposed to come here watch somebody stand in the front of the room and learn Chinese but I have a lot of experience being me and I've been in many classrooms that look like this. That's what high school and middle school was and elementary school. And I'm not going to learn this way. Like, let's be real. You know, th I feel that way sometimes when I apply for a really crappy job I don't want. I'll be like, just do it, man. Just like suck it up. And, and then there's a part of me that's like, you're going to quit after like three days, you know. <laughs> like, don't even like make people think that you're going to show up. That That's cruel. So I didn't end up doing it then. I lived on that visa until a year later. And then when I was going to do the same thing again, I was going to transfer to like Shenzhen University. And they're like, okay, great. Yeah, we got all your paperwork and stuff. You just need to send a letter from the last university that you did attend. And I was like, uh, like I, I, I really need that? And they're like, yeah, you know, you need that so we can transfer. And then it was like, dun, 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 dun. And it's like another 30 days until... I have to leave China, and this time it's not just to reset my visa because my visa is expiring in 30 days. Like, dun, 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 dun. figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And it was either that time or another time, but I, th I think it might have been that time. I sent my passport to America, 
to get a visa and then and that was like 15 days you know because it takes weeks to get there and then it takes like a week for them to look at it and they emailed me back i ended up using like the runners above the embassy or the visa processing center that i mentioned earlier like i knew they were above there and i knew that's the way to go whoever that company was to use them they were like, okay, we can, you know, expedite your visa, but you don't have enough pages left in your passport. You need a new passport. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's like three pages at the end. They're like, yeah, but you need to have like four. Like you need two full pages empty. You can't fill them. And I'm like, well, fuck, dude, how long is that going to take? They're like, well, we could we can add more pages, but it takes two weeks, and then it'll take like a week for us to get the visa. And I'm like, dude... I have to leave China in like in like eight days to reset or, or anything because my visa is expiring. So I pay for them to expedite it. It was literally like if they fucked up one day, I was going to be over and not even have my passport. You're not supposed to ever be in a foreign country and that you arrived on a passport and not have your passport. But when they do all the processing for your passport, they don't check to see which country you're in. This is one of those loops, man. Loopholes, I should say. So it happened, man. They sent it to me, and it cost a ton of money for me. I got it, and I got out of China. I got back in. That was back to a travel visa, I think. Um, Let me get into a few times that were slightly troublesome. The first one would be I was going to Hong Kong. I'd always go via Shenzhen, fly into Shenzhen, and then cross the border. And I was like two days over my stay. So while you're leaving, they call you over and they put you into like a a cold tin, everything's metal room, and you just sit there and wait. You just sit there and wait. And uh, you don't know what's going to happen because you've heard a lot of bad stories. Like nothing can be confirmed, you know? That like sometimes if you're just one day over, like they can't wait to kick out foreigners, like depending on... There's been a few times I was in China where there's like a, a movement for a month or two or three where police are going to bars and they're just trying to find everybody who's working illegally or not here on the right kind of visa and they're putting them in jail or kicking them out of the country. So I had heard like Hong Kong is a particularly harsh border, like I mentioned before, but also other stories. And they were mean and they wanted you to know that like this is not acceptable and you can't do this again and you're going to have to pay this much money and don't fuck up again. And so... All's well that ends well until, I don't know, a year or two later, um, getting ready to leave Shanghai because my visa is about to, uh, the duration of my stay is about to need to be reset. And I plan to go to Taiwan and I have a trip planned. I've found like a mountain I wanted to go to. I found like there may be a way I can rent scooters if I have an American driver's license uh, and a passport, and so I make a plan, and I'm going with a good friend of mine, a Shanghainese girl who's like a year older than me, and we're already cutting it close. The The plane is getting ready to depart in like 30 minutes, and we're going through the customs, and she gets through before me, and I'm there, and he's like taking his time and taking his time and taking his time, and she's just like, what the fuck's going on? And then he's like, all right, I need you to go over there and talk to those guys you're over on your visa and it's like fuck and the reason that happens is not just that i am 
irresponsible? <laughs> it's because there's so many stamps in my passport booklet. Like you have years and years of every two months. So you're trying, and they're they're randomly in there. They're not in order, and they're like overlapping each other. It's a mess. They're upside down and shit. So when you check every time you come back, you're trying to calculate in your head, you know, when do I need to leave by next time? And you might be looking at the wrong year sometimes. So you might you might have known the last time you left was February 14th, but you might have a February 14th in a different year in your book. So, I mean, you're kind of bound to make that mistake. So I get pulled over there. The plane's going to leave, and I don't have any extra money. Like, I had booked the place in Taiwan. I had enough money to, like, eat and get that scooter and get back. And even that was going to be close call. Um and we went in there, and they were like, you're going to have to pay 8,000 RMB, which is like over $1,000. And before I even could like ask for help from my friend or even thought about asking for help because I kind of was like, I guess I'm going to jail. Like, surprise, like this is not the trip. She asked one of the guys in, in Shanghainese uh, where an ATM was and ran off, and she was gone. And I was signing documents in Chinese. I had no idea what I was signing. Long documents that were probably like, you know, I can't come back to China. I got to leave or whatever. And she comes back. You know, and this part of the story will probably come back into play shortly, what those documents were. And she has a, a stack of cash from like her hip to her chin. Gives it to them. And they were really friendly with her. They loved, this is what I'm talking about. She's in her mid-30s. You know, Shanghainese paid the money. They were friendly. They didn't, they didn't try to intimidate me. It was all good. And we ran and we got on our plane and they were like assuring us we would make the flight. And I was like, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back. And she didn't, she, she didn't give a shit. She wouldn't give a shit. I mean, she was just like, whatever, like, let's do this awesome trip, which is amazing. Right? So time goes on. I'm leaving and I'm coming back for every reset. And eventually I leave Shanghai and I move back to America and I need a new passport because mine's like expired. So I get a new passport and I come back to China to Shenzhen this time and I'm working and I live like 15 minutes, less than 15 minutes from the border. And all I got to do is remember to leave every, you know, whatever it was, uh, two months, 59 days and you can literally like go and turn around and come right back. Or what I would normally do is go into Hong Kong and like buy groceries like cheese and bread and meats and stuff you can't get where I lived at. Or stay for a couple days and hang out with my friend in Hong Kong. Um, and I was getting ready to go do this stupid trip and I'm already really short on money and I'm like kind of sick of this stupid trip because you never know how long the lines are going to be to leave. It might take two hours just to get into Hong Kong. You have to have a bunch of coins, like a ton of Hong Kong money uh, to get on the buses because there's no other way. Like nobody really helps you. You don't want to get on the wrong bus. And so you're carrying all this change. There's a big setup. You better have the like the Hong Kong subway card. Um, and I'm going through and the guy's like looking at my thing and he points over. Oh, I think I was in line when I realized I'm like three days over. Or I had already, I was leaving that day. That's what it was. I knew I already had to go and leave that day. And I had looked at my book like, damn, I mixed up one year for another year. And uh, 
even though it was a new passport. So I guess I used it in Shanghai a couple times. And I was like, God damn, now I'm going to have to pay like, I'm doing the math. It's like 100 RMB a day or 200 RMB a day. I'm going to pay like 800 extra RMB. Like, that's all the money I have. God damn it. I'm like pissed off. But I'm trying to like assure myself, like, at least you can afford to pay the fee. And I'm really upset because it's like, I never have money. God damn it. And he calls me over and I'm like, all right, ready to go through this. Oh, here's the money, right? So the guy, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting to talk to the policeman. Like, I'm pretty, I'm not really afraid anymore, like, with any police or anything in China. Like, I've kind of been through it all. And then he tells me I need to go to the back room, the, the actual, like, police office that says police on it. And I come in and the lady, like, has me sit down and she goes away with my pass, pass, passport for a little while and comes back and says, how many times have you been late? leaving China on your visa and I said just once she said be honest don't lie to me and I immediately said just once on on this passport she goes okay how about in all on all your passports I was like mm, I think three times she was like right so you're being banned from China you can't return for four years you knew that you can't be late again and you were late again now the only you knew that you were late you couldn't be late again could have come from those documents I signed in Shanghai years before because I had no clue like they were friendly to me those Shanghainese officers like I I didn't have any inkling that if this happened again I'd be banned for four years like are you kidding you know what I was thinking I like took time off work to do that to go to Hong Kong and I got to be back in the office and I got a meeting in the morning and it's an important meeting like I had been working on something I'm gonna train people to do stuff I'm only like, I'd only been in Shenzhen for like three or four months. I had like finally had a good career, maybe possibly starting. And she's like, you can't come back. And then, you know, if that's not hitting you yet, like she's like, do you need to go back to your apartment and get something before you leave? Because you won't be able to come back for four years. And you're just sitting there like you're in total shock. You can't do anything. You can't make a decision. You're trying to figure out what does that mean? Like, I don't even have a way to leave. Even if I had to live in Hong Kong for even a week, I don't have money to do that. And I don't even have money to go to go to America. And I, what about all the stuff in my house? And I just bought all this stuff over the last three months. Like, like it can't be real, you know? And it's going through my head, like, all the people, all the Chinese, like, I've taught English to and how I've been so good to China. And I've written all these, like, good stories about China all the Chinese people I've touched in some way teaching. I mean, that's a lot of people, and that sounds maybe like, I don't know, uh, narcissistic, but like really, like I've only done good things for your people. I have like close relationships with, you know, one of my students was like head of uh, the immigration police at Shanghai Airport. One of the heads of like standing on one of those platforms. Like I'm just thinking like all these people that I'm really close to and like they love me and I love them and you're banning me. Like like you're making me not be able to. There's no second China. If you get kicked out of China, there's no like I'll just go to Malaysia. Like you're losing the culture. You're losing it. You're losing all of it. The whole lifestyle. There's no other place like it. And it's just like you're sitting there and she's she's like, so do you need to go back or not? Like, tell me what you need to do. And then I started, like, crying. And I was like, but nobody told me. Like, 
like, you know, she's treating me like a criminal. And I'm a good fucking ally to China, man. Like, do you know who you're removing and banning from China? Like, do you realize no stronger supporter could there be? Like, many Chinese people would love to leave this country. Like, here I am, you know? So she sees me just, like, dumbfounded, and she's like, okay, listen, you can go to, like, the immigration police in whatever district you live in. You live in Nan Nan Nanchu, whatever it was, district. You go, you go there, and you can ask if there's something you can do, but there isn't. There's nothing you can do, but you can try. I think she gave me, like, a, a card for that address. She's like, but you're going to have to leave. So I'm walking back out like I didn't get to leave I didn't get to go out of China and come back so and every day I stay is a bigger fee so it's like I'm just I don't know what to do so I'm going back and I call my boss who is my friend too and that's when I really break down like I didn't plan on it and I was trying not to but I was like I I she said I have to leave like four years because I'm it's my third she said there's nothing I can do and he's like all right calm down like let me make some phone calls and see what I can do just relax I got off the phone with him and I was just crying I was just you know you can wait for a taxi or a bus or something when you come out come out of that port and I just started seeing if I could walk home from there but there actually wasn't any way because the highway blocks you off so just kind of taking a walk down the highway crying and it was just all like it's almost like everything you believe in life suddenly just shattered and you're just like completely lost like everything was just gone everything and you know you might think like china oh that's just like a fun experience or something but like that was where i lived like that was my life that was my country for for that period you know yeah i was talking about being a visitor before but it's like I didn't live anywhere else. That's where I lived. That's where I worked. And I was really in getting into that city. Like, I was still early on where everything was amazing, you know? So, my boss calls me back at some point and says, uh, like, a friend of his father is the head of immigration police in a different district. I want to say, I can't think of it now, Fushian district, Futian district. Um... Like, he kind of owes me a favor because I donated, or his dad has donated, that's what it was, his dad donated a lot, whatever that fucking means, to the immigration police over there, so they have some guanxi. Remember, that means relationship. And let me talk to him and see what I can do. So just, like, relax, like, don't get too upset, and let me see if I can fix this. So I have to meet him at the other district's police immigration place. Um, and I'm sitting there and he's with me and then he gets called upstairs. We go upstairs. This is not where like customers are, but there is like a bench and we're sitting there and like, you know, an officer comes out and like kind of hints him to come over. And so he's like, wait here. And he walks in the back room with him and I'm just sitting there by myself. There's nobody else. And after a little while, they walk by and go downstairs and, you know, my boss just kind of looks at me. He's kind of an awkward social guy anyways. Uh, <laughs> so he's like trying to play it cool, I guess. And they went downstairs for a while and he came back up. And he tells me, um, 
I need a, I need the residential document. When you first move to a city in China, you have to go to the police and get a certain document that says, like, the police know that I'm living here. And I tried to do this when I first moved there. And uh, I can't re- remember why, but they wouldn't they wouldn't give me the document. They were like, they didn't even know what I was talking about. They were like, you got to go next door. So I went next door and they gave me some kind of document. I don't know what the hell any of this shit was. Um, but it turns out like that was just a document that was related to the district that I'm living there, but not the police. So I never had the police document. And they were like, well, all we need is that and we can fix this. So it was like crisis among crisis. It's like, it was like too much to handle, you know? And I went back there and I'm like, I can't communicate well enough to fix it. It's like, you can't fix that stuff as a foreigner. Cause as a foreigner, if you're, if you're not perfectly clear about what you need and what happened, then like, you know, fuck off back to your country, you know? So you got to have sub assistance. So I had put like a friend of mine who originally went with me to one of those offices in a conference chat with my boss and they like had to work something out and I was going back and forth to that place and I finally I guess got that paper or maybe I never did I can't even remember and I had to go back to that immigration police place and my boss told me when you go back this time like I'm not going to be there you need to give him money like cash and I I think he said 5000 and then I forgot and got 6000 out which is a big difference for me of R&B. Um, I needed to find a way to hand it over to him. And for whatever reason, like immediately it popped into my head, a McDonald's paper bag is the way to do it. And I don't know why, but it reminded me also immediately of like selling swag when I was like 17 and like hey, the the like, keep it low, man, the undercover way of doing stuff, you know. So I just thought, you know, I've been trained for this. I can do this. I'm going to bring it in a McDonald's bag, and I'm going to give him McDonald's, you know, because I don't know how I'm supposed to give him the money. So when you when you give somebody, like, money officially in China, like, I mean, as, like, a gift, they pretty much always put it in a red envelope. You know, that's it's like a money envelope. So obviously I can't do that. Um, so I, you know, got up early that day and I went to McDonald's and I got like a, like a, uh, what do they call it? Like, kind of like a hot pocket. And I took out the hot pocket part and I put cash in it, which fit like perfectly. And maybe there was a hot pocket, a real hot pocket next to it. And I rolled up the paper bag and I went to go meet the guy. First I had to sit, I think, in the lower office and there was a lovely lady, like, younger than me, processing papers for me. She got along well with me. It was like, I almost wanted to date her. I felt like that about too many people in China. But it's like, it's weird because it's like they're kind of your adversary, you know? And, like, she could also make me not leave China if she did the right thing for me. But she was too, super cool. And then I had to go back upstairs. And the guy came out. And I'm sitting in that room I was just talking about where there's nobody yet. And there's cameras in there. And he looks at me and he's like, you know, Zach told me you have something for me. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, what? And I'm like, McDonald's. And he just looking at me and 
And then he goes, come back to my office. And we go back to his office. His office is his desk next to another desk. And the desk next to him is a, like they're both the head of the police. And, you know, police officers in full uniform are coming and going in that office, like handing out documents and stuff, exchanging papers. And I sit down on the couch that's facing him like perpendicularly. And he's just like shooting the shit with me. And he's kind of surprised that I can speak Chinese, but my Chinese isn't that great. And he's got a thick Southern accent. So I'm trying to shoot the shit with him. And he's like, oh, you grew up from around here. Yeah. And like, you've been doing this a while. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, this is a good city and yeah, it's not like Shanghai. Like there's people from all over. Yeah. 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 And shooting the shit. And I, if I couldn't speak Chinese, I probably couldn't have done that. And so <laughs> suddenly I just fucking took the bag and threw it at his foot. I said we were sitting perpendicular. The couch was low to the ground and he was up higher in an, like an office chair. And it hit at his foot and he just kind of like looked at me and froze for a second. And then he just kept talking to me. And moments later, a policewoman came in, walked right up to him to give him some papers and her foot scraped against that bag. And I just saw it happen in real time. This is going to be like headline news. I'm busted. He's busted. It's over for him. It's over for me. She's going to pick up that bag and say, oh, you forgot your lunch. Or here's your, look what was on the floor. And then open it and like, it's not food. Like, it's happening. And then she turned around and walked out. And then he was like, well, all right, well, make sure this never happens again. What they ended up doing was giving me like a six-day visa and not canceling my previous visa, which is they're legally supposed to. Uh, anytime you get a new visa, they have to cancel your previous visa. So he didn't. In other words, I could leave on the six-day visa legally without being over my stay and come back on my previous visa, which is still ongoing. And that's what I got was a six-day visa. I had paid like the official price for it, which wasn't a whole lot. And then I paid him like a whole lot. And so he walked me out. And that bag was on the floor when we walked out, but it was under his desk, you know. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I paid him too much or if he was even expecting that. Or if he was, if he was expecting it in that way, probably not. But I don't, I wasn't going to reach out and hand him something, you know. So I resolved that. I mean, I didn't resolve it. My boss resolved it, but I guess I played a factor in there. And, like, I remember coming back into China. First of all, leaving, you know, because there was a chance they would stop you and be like, you can't have two visas, you know. Let's go investigate. In other words, were they going to be on to what's going on here at the border? And I got out, and uh, I might have just turned around for the first time. Like I said, I always go downtown and buy some turned around and came back through and it was no problem and I swear to God I wanted to bend over and kiss the ground I feel like I might even have done that and I've never I might have done that because I remember thinking like I've never felt that way even in America where I would kiss the ground but I mean it was just it was just an amazing feeling like it was just like this so much freedom it's like all of China is yours again it's all yours open you know and china's just a great place in the sense that wherever you go in china like you're in china and 
Chinese people are generally extremely approachable. And you have a huge land of like unchartered China to go and explore, and it's all yours. And it was that close to being taken away. <laughs> 